Amen. Well, it is good to to be here. I will tell you, um, there is, as Kevin made mention, you know, here this weekend and the next weekend we're having a sending service. We don't really have clear plans yet as to exactly when we're leaving because we're doing a lot of work in home that we have in Kentucky to make that ready to move into. But we are certainly swimming in the emotions of uncertainty, of uh, the mixed emotions, of feeling like we have uh, no, no real, uh, no defined place yet. You know, it's, Carol said, told me yesterday or the day before that she was feeling the liminality. You know, that, you, know, that, you know that word, you know, liminal or liminal space where you're between two places and you're kind of leaving one thing, you're not fully yet in another, and we're definitely feeling that. And the emotions that, 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 that go on with that are, are, are definitely significant. We're feeling a lot of, a lot of the, um, the sorrow of, of, of letting go, but yet the, the joy of obedience. It's the best way I can put it is knowing you're, you're doing what you're called to do. And so... We'll have more to share about this next week. I will tell you, if you're at all curious with what we're going to be doing, one of the things that I'll be doing, I mean, I'm going to continue to work with the ministries that I have been working with, including our church here, uh, but one of the key things I'll be working on in the first part of this year is developing and, and launching an online uh, class with Rich Stevenson uh, through the Malachi Network that we're calling 111. That's born out of Malachi 111. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. And every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Malachi 111. That we're going to be uh, launching. It's going to start in April and it's going to go into November. A four-module uh, online course that will be seven weeks each module, one on Jesus or Christology, one on eschatology, how things are going to end. You know, it's imperative that we know how things are going to end uh, if we understand how we're going to live today. And so one on eschatology, one on the church, ecclesiology, understanding the role, the nature of the church, and then one on missiology or our mission. How do we live our lives in light of all these things? And uh, seven week modules with a week off in between, and I want to just encourage you to consider taking part in that. If you're looking for something that would just go maybe a bit deeper, a little bit more intense theologically, um, it, there are two different modules that you can sign up for. For One is just kind of more of a, I would call it like auditing. You kind of just hang out, participate in the teachings and so forth and some of the live stuff. The other one is much more intense where you're participating in practical applications and, and uh, some required reading that goes along with each module, and uh, they're, they're, it does cost money. I can, uh, I don't think, I'm not sure if we have the landing page up for it yet, but you can contact me. We're hoping for about 20 people to, to, to do this pilot year with us, and uh, if you're interested, let me know. So it's one of the things we'll be doing, and just kind of giving you a heads up. It will be on the Malachi Network website, and I think if you Pretty soon, if you go to 111, just, the, just spell out one and the two numbers, one, so one, number 11, dot org. I was not clear, but you'll figure it out. <laughs> so, um, today, I, look, it's, I'm just going to keep it as simple as I can possibly keep it because I think that's the, the, the imperative for the end of the year. As, as, Kevin, as Kevin mentioned, um, it hasn't really been a great year. <laughs> It's 2020 has not been a banner year in terms of all these wonderful things that have happened. 
And I, I was thinking, Kevin, Pastor Kevin shared with me that a friend of his died tragically yesterday, I think you, know, you said. And uh, my thoughts have not left the beginning of 2020 when, uh, when, when Eli was taken from us tragically. And it's been a year marked you know, by a lot of these things. But at the same time, we're not, we're not subject to years. We, we, we don't, we're not, we're not, you know, nothing changes on December 31st into January 1st that all of a sudden, you know, when, when, it, when the clock strikes midnight, that then 2020 is over and then majestically somehow it's a good year. This isn't the way that the world works. God is not subject to the passing of time and calendars. His seasons, his notion of seasons and time is very different than that. And we don't have to live in some sort of superstitious view that, wow, soon enough this year will be over so we can start fresh. And, and this is the thing that fuels New Year's resolutions that last about three days. We, we, we have the opportunity, as we've been singing all morning, to live into the goodness of God. God's good all the time. And I want to lift that notion up in the very passage of Scripture we've used to theme uh, this Advent season in Isaiah chapter 60. So if you open to Isaiah 60, I'm just going to read the first few verses and then, and then wade our way through that. I'm going to skip around to some other verses. You don't, they won't be up on the screen. You can just listen to those as I go there to, to try to make some sense of it. But really, there's two words that I care about in this that you take with you today when we're done because they have to mark you if you're a believer. If you follow Jesus, these two words have to mark you. Arise and shine. If you're not marked by risenness and shining, the word shining that's used here is reflective. You're not the source of light. You're a reflection of the light that is being shined. It even says this in the passage. I'll read in just a second. Arising and shining are not just gifts that are given to you. They're responsibilities that are given to us as believers. And so we as followers of Jesus should be risen and shining. Amen? All right, so let me read this. This is such a beautiful, powerful passage of Scripture. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Now, Isaiah is going to tell us why this is such, so important. He says, see, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Now, let me just say very, very clearly, this is not a Christmas passage. This is not a passage of Scripture that points specifically to the coming of Jesus and his first coming. It, it entails that. This is a passage of Scripture that is written to the Jewish people while in captivity that is telling them that there are promises that are coming your way, the beginning of which is going to be coming out of captivity. A part of that fulfillment of this prophecy is going to be a Messiah born in time, which was fulfilled in Jesus. But the events of this passage that I just read are so glorious and so beautiful, it, nothing has happened in history that yet fulfills this totally. This passage will be fulfilled upon the return of Jesus. It even says very specifically in here when the, the Gentiles, the, the, it, it, it clearly delineates Jews and Gentiles in this passage. You, rise and shine, Jewish people, Israel, for your light has come, 
and says the day is coming when when nations, when the Gentiles will, and kings, will, we've not seen whole nations. We've not seen kings come. There is a day coming when Jesus will return. He will not come born in a manger. He'll come riding on a, on a, on a white horse, dripped in blood, and, and, and covered in blood, and he'll be a conquering king, and he'll sit on the throne in Jerusalem, and the nations will be gathered to him in the valley of Jehoshaphat for weighing, for judgment. And this passage points to that day. And, and, but it includes his first coming. And, of course, we know that almost all of the Jewish people missed his first coming because they weren't able through their lens to expect and see a suffering Messiah. They were only able to see the, 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 this conquering king. And so I want to make clear that we, we can't jump into this passage as though it's just our own. We can, in, in a Romans 11 way, as we are the wild shoots that are grafted into amongst the others. So we're grafted into the, 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 the promise of this passage. Arise and shine, for your light has come. As I said, it's been a dark year. And it's important that we remember the calling on our lives to arise and shine. If I were to say to you, I mean, I'm tempted just to say, you know, do it with me. One, two, three, arise and shine and see what you would do. Like, how would you depict arising and shining? You know, would you, would you use jazz fingers? Would you jump to your feet and scream hallelujah? Would you, you know, what, what, yeah, exactly. How would you make this, th- this happen? Arising and shining are juxtaposed against lying down in darkness. It, th- these are mourning terms, not crying like M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, but mourning, in the morning term. This is the day spring sort of event where it's saying the night has passed and the morning is beginning to break through, so get up and shine. This is a, uh, and I'll get more into this in just a second. Arise and shine from the darkness. And Isaiah gives a description of the kind of darkness that Israel has been living under in captivity, so you have a sense of the cause and effect. The, 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 you know, there, there's been great darkness, and the effect of the coming of the glory of the Lord is, is that it causes us to rise and shine. But you're like, well, how bad is the darkness? Here's Isaiah's description in Isaiah 59, verses 9 and 10. So justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness for brightness but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like men without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. It's pretty dark. If I were to bring this into the, into the light of the New Testament and, and give Paul's description, Paul says that this is the kind of darkness that we, we need to be, we need light, the glory of the Lord to shine upon. He, he's telling Timothy in 2 Timothy, look, I want you to understand the kind of days you're going to walk in. He says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Jeff's description is just 2020. But we don't have to worry about the clock spinning and the the days flipping on the calendar and then somehow January 1, we go, whoo, it's over. We, this passage promises us that that the light, the glory of the Lord coming into the world is such that it doesn't matter what day it is or where we are 
that the light of the Lord shining upon us causes us in the midst of darkness to arise and shine. This is, this is something, this, there's, there's a passive sense to both these verbs. If you want to ever understand a passage of Scripture, the starting place of understanding is always the verbs, the action within it. And so the verbs here are both passive. It's saying, basically it says this, because the glory of the Lord has come into this place, you are being raised up and you are being lit up. It's, this is something that is happening to you. You're going to have to cooperate with it, but this is something that's happening to you. And this is a word that we read over and over again in Isaiah. We don't we really understand what it means to arise. I mean, there's not much to it. You don't have to get too deeply into this. It's not a deep, intriguing Hebrew word. It means, arise means to emerge, to spring up, to come uh, into being. There, and there are often seasons, you know, like... Um, like this one that we've, we've just come through. And, you know, even Pastor Kevin mentioning Brian and Carrie being out of town and having some rest with family. They haven't had much chance to be with family. We've all felt some distance. We haven't been able to see my mom at all this calendar year, probably in more than a year. Uh, and my mom and my sister are up in Nashville. And there are seasons where we feel, the, the, the word that comes to mind to me, it's like being kept in a dark room. You know, and, um, and if you think of like a dark room in the sense of photography, it's a place where, where there's something that good that's, that is going to happen, but it doesn't always feel good. You know, the, the dark room is where, think, where, where, where beautiful art is developed into this polished photograph. And I think spiritually, a lot of times, it's very much the same. If we, it's kind of like we're photos in, in, in this dark place where, where, where God is allowing development to happen in this dark room. I'm not saying that God caused, you know, all of the things that have been difficult about this year, but I am saying that he will use these times to develop something within us in a Romans 5 kind of way. He will use suffering. He tells us to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God and in the same way rejoice in suffering because ultimately through perseverance and character development, suffering produces hope. This isn't wasted time. And, and this dark room sense is a place of process and refining and intimacy and revelation happen here. And there's something that's nurtured and matured within us. But in the physical, in, in the actual existence and passage of days from one to the, another for us, <clears throat> it sometimes feels like the result of a dark room process is that we've been left behind or that we're missing opportunities, that things are, the world is spinning without, you know, without us. And if you're young, I mean, if you're, you get to be my age, and you don't so much worry about it, you know. You might think I do because of, wow, you're getting older, urgency. But I, I, I've learned, you know, that it, it's going to be okay. But when you're young, you feel like, man, another year, I, it's a whole year. I didn't get to do anything. What's, you know, where's my life going? But I, I think this word in Isaiah 60 is a word that encourages us that, no matter what's going on within the world around us, that the glory of God, the presence of God coming into a place causes us to emerge from that place, to spring forth, to, to come up into the light, to stand up, to straighten up, even in the midst of times of struggle. And it can uh, feel like this kind of darkroom process, like you're being kicked, like, uh, like nothing's ever going to be straightforward or easy. It, um, I, you know, what's the point? Should I even keep on trying? But when I come out of times, I can tell you this from experience, when I come out of difficult times in season, I look back upon those, those, those times of confusion or stagnancy 
where, where things didn't seem to be happening, and I had to become very clear on the, on, on, in, in retrospect on how much God developed me in those times. And I think this word is supposed to encourage within us that if we would participate and cooperate with the work of the Lord coming into these times of darkness, um, that there is something significant that God wants to do. Shining is it's the it's the same thing. It means it means to produce a, a you know a bright light, and and you know really honestly, my simple explanation here is is that Christ in any dark situation shines enough light to cause not just the darkness to be dispelled, but for you to reflect his glory so that somebody who doesn't know Jesus would look at you and go, man, what's that about you? This is why it's an absolute imperative that we be risen up and shining. If, if someone who's around you would say, if being a Christian means I got to look like you, I don't want to be a Christian, <laughs> then we're not shining, are we? But if we, if we reflect the glory of God, and this is, this is the promise. You, you remember that Paul says this. He says, we're not like Moses. You know, we all, you have masks. I'm looking at veiled faces right now. And we think in Sunday school, we come away with the understanding that the reason that Moses veiled his face was because the glory was so bright that it was scaring the people. But Paul tells us the reason that Moses veiled his face was to hide the fact that the glory was diminishing. The moment he got outside of the presence of God, his glory was diminishing. The light was starting to fade. And he didn't want people to know the fact that the glory was fading. He had to veil his face. But Paul promises us as believers, anytime you say, man, I wish I could just see God like Moses saw God, you have way greater revelation than Moses ever had. You have a way greater opportunity to reflect glory than you ever did. Because Paul tells us we are actually increasing from glory to glory and ever-increasing light. You have the opportunity in Christ to cultivate a relationship with him that would cause you to shine. That people would come into your presence and go, man, I want what you got. I'm hopeless. I'm despondent. I'm dark. I need help. What is it that, why do you have this light in your eyes? There's a wisdom and a zeal and an intimacy that the Lord forms in us during this this process of shining into our lives with, with something that, 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 that elevates us in, you know, in the name of Jesus. So to shine, you know, it, it's, it's an imperative. I, I, I think I could even play with the word to say it means to perform well, you know, to shine, to, uh, you know, during these seasons of wilderness or refining or 2020 kinds of years, we should be marked as going, you know, 2020 was a really cruddy year, but the people of that church, they seem to like flourish. You know, they, they shined, you know, in this year. And so this scripture in Isaiah 60 to me is, is, isn't just a, a reminder of a time where Jesus is coming. I can be grafted into this alongside of the Jewish people in the midst of captivity and say, in the midst of captivity, I can be risen up and I can be bright uh, so the world can see. So the implication is, let me give you what this means. The implication is, is no matter how negative your past or your present no matter what your exact status is right now, what you're feeling right now. I was just uh, doing a, um, this house that we bought. We, had, we took a wall down. We were putting a beam in, and a friend of mine who's a contractor came to put a beam in, and he knows what he's doing. None of us really did, and we're helping him put this beam in, and we're trying to get this beam set, and it was really hard, and we're, and we're having a hard time getting it in. And this one friend of mine who's there helping says to my contractor friend, you know, I just feel like if we did this other thing, it might help. And my contractor friend said, well, it's a good thing we don't go on feelings in the construction business. 
And, and there's something about this passage is exactly like that. It's a good thing that your status in life doesn't go on feelings. The, the glory of God shining on your life means it doesn't really matter what your emotional status is. You can arise and shine. Is your marriage a mess? Doesn't matter. The glory of God shining on it means it can arise and shine. Is your, are your finances failing? Doesn't matter. The glory of God shining on it means it can be turned around because of his glory. Is your spiritual life sliding down a hill? Doesn't matter. God can deal with that right now. Are you facing darkness with respect to some other, like your career, your children, your schoolwork, your whatever it may be? You know, it does not matter because this passage tells us you can arise and shine. You can. You can. Amen. Somebody will be saying hallelujah. I, can, I mean, it's, it, can, it can be yours today. But if I were you and I were listening, I'd say, well, before I'm going to, you know, buy into that, Jeff, I mean, you're, it's like you're selling me a, a, a car up there and I need to take this thing for a test drive. How do I know before I say, okay, I'll agree that this could be my reality today. I could walk out of here with a risen up kind of life and shining like the sun, how do I, you know, how do I know it's actually doable or achievable? I'm going to give you some reasons why. I'm not going to, these aren't, these aren't like points to a message. You don't have to worry, oh my gosh, he's got nine points. We're going to be here forever. This is simple little issues that will help you to understand how, how simple it is for us to arise and shine, how doable it is. Number one, it's a law. The first two words of Isaiah 60 in the Hebrew literally are just, there's no and, it just says, arise, (laughs) shine. It it isn't given, this phrase isn't offered as a suggestion. It's not advice. It's not a dream. It's not an opinion. It's not a possibility of something that could happen for you. It's a command given, and it's given to us through Isaiah as received from God. And so when something's given to us in this I'm trying to think of a way to, to phrase this. I've been thinking all week about this because my, my mom and dad used to come in to me and he used to sing a song in the morning that actually I think had rise and shine in it. Like, you know, like rise and shine and give God the glory or something like that. Or they would say, wake up, wake up, you little sleepy head. You know, they would sing these. And I ne- it never sounded, I know that they were telling me to wake up and they're trying to be nice, but I just wanted to pull the covers over my head and tell them to get out of my room. But when I was with my grandfather and we'd go like camping or something and he's like, you know, you're gonna, I'm going to have to wake you up really early for us to get up and go fishing. He would wake me up in the morning. I, 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 don't, I can't even, I can never make this voice work. When I say things to my kids where I want to sound really stern, it ends up sounding jokey. And when I say things to them where I want it to sound jokey, it ends up sounding really stern. I can't ever mix the, you know, get the mix exactly right. Somehow my grandfather always got it exactly right. Where he'd come in in the morning and he would say to me, wake up, and I knew there was no option to stay sleeping. But he also said it with a tenderness that made me want to get up. And there's something about the goodness of God that when he commands us to rise and shine, there's no doubt that we are to rise and shine, but it's also embedded with goodness. We want to rise and shine. It's perfect you know, Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. Whatever the word of the God says, it's settled. It's a settled law. Even in heaven, for, uh, you know, God speaks a word, and, and that word is. And so when the Lord says, arise and shine, what should the result be? 
rise and shine, right? You know, and if you need a positive change from a present status, even if it is stuck in a feeling place, the only thing you have to do to see that happen is agree with the law of God. That's all you have to do. You can disagree with your feelings. Do you know you can disagree with your feelings? And I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to speak a word. I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to speak a word about like things like clinical depression and so forth. But I can tell you this, when your feelings tell you, I don't want to get up out of bed today, and God says, rise and shine, you can choose to agree with your feelings or agree with the law of God. And so the reason that I think it's doable is because it's law. It's, and I'm not talking about, like, legalism. I'm talking about grace-filled law. This, these, these words drip with love. Arise and shine, Yolanda. This is the promise I have for you today, that you don't have to lit, lie there in some sort of dead state and darkness. Rise and shine. Yeah, yeah, Lord, that's what I want to do. Second reason I can tell you is it's of the Lord. The, the, the validity of any statement or command depends upon whoever's giving the command, right? Like, if, I, if you know, if, if I were to uh, give you some theory, uh, some mathematic theory, and I would say, well, my theory on, on you know, quantum physics is, and I give you this, you might say wisely to me, Jeff, you don't know a whole lot about math. So why should we, you know, base our life on that? But the command to arise and shine didn't originate from the mind of Isaiah. It originates from the Lord who is able to perform every word that he speaks. For I am the Lord, I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged, for in your days will I say the word and will perform it, saith the Lord God. Ezekiel 12, the Lord who commands us to rise and shine will make it happen in his time. It's the Lord that says it. That's why it's doable. The Lord is the light. This is the third. I mean, when he's saying arise and shine, he's not telling us to, to, to be the light. That would be so depressing to me. Rise up and just be the light of your own life. This is the depressing status to me of, of some sort of pan-Hellenistic, uh, uh, you are the light. You're your own God. Do you know how depressing that would be to me if I had to get up and be my own God? If I had to be the light? I don't feel like being the light a lot of days. If I had to get up and be the light to, to you, I, I, I mean, I, Lord, the only way I'm going to be able to be nice today is if your light shines through me. Because I'm not feeling it. The main reason that given by Isaiah for the people to rise and shine is because the light of the glory of God has come upon them. The light referred here is, is, is Jesus, the son of righteousness. He's, he describes himself as the light of the world. Whatever Jesus is, wherever he goes, there's light. And as the same way that you know, the sun rising in the morning radiating light onto the earth reminds us that, you know, the, the, the night is over, that Jesus radiates divine light, and whenever he comes into a situation, then darkness becomes light. I don't know what happens to the darkness. I know that one candle can, di- can dispel dark, the darkness of a room, but I don't know what happens to the darkness when that, I don't know if the darkness goes anywhere, if it stays and watches, but I know it's not dark anymore. And this is my thing as a pastor, as a, as a counselor, I'm so tired of problem-focused counseling. I'm solution, I want to be solution-focused. So if you say to me, well, look, there's a lot of darkness in my life. I go, let Jesus come in, and he's light. And, you go, and I bring the candle in, and you go, boom, there's enough light now. for all, And you go, well, where'd the darkness go? I don't know. Well, that's a problem. It could still be here. I'm like, but there's light. There's enough light to see now. You can walk. You can go. You can radiate that light. Well, where'd the dark? I don't know. What if the darkness comes back again? 
Well, it doesn't matter if there's light here. Fourth reason I can, I can give is the light itself is a sign of life. Only the living, the, only living things can arise and shine, right? Dead things cannot arise and shine. It says in Isaiah 38, for the grave cannot praise you, death cannot celebrate you. The living, the living, they shall praise you as I do this day. The, last, the very last phrase in the book of Psalms alludes to this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Only the living, only the alive has the potential to arise and shine. All you have to do is praise God. And you'll shine because Psalm 67 says God will bless anyone that praises him. The blessings of God can make you arise and shine. And, and arising and shining can make you bless God. Do you see the beauty of that? This is, what God, this is God's strategy. This is putting Jehoshaphat, you know, at the, uh, uh, the praise team at the head of the army. That, that by, by blessing God, it, it, you know, there, there, there's risenness. There's victory in just the blessing. And then the victory brings more it, it, it kind of, it's a, it's a self-perpetuating thing. It's a machine, that, it's a perpetual motion machine. So if you're feeling like I'm stuck in this place, I'm telling you that there's a great book. I, I can't remember the name of it now exactly. I think it's called The Power of Praise by Carruthers, a guy named Carruthers. Read that book. It's a beautiful little book that talks about the, the power of just giving, bringing praise to God and what it does to a life. I can tell you this. There have been times in my life where I've been really feel, felt really defeated and dark, I just walk outside or something. I can remember one night doing this, just looking into the sky and thinking, man, I can't explain how glorious that is. And I walked back inside, and nothing had changed in the situation that was something I was struggling with, but somehow everything had changed. There's something about, you know, giving glory to God that changes the situation. God made provisions for everybody who knows Jesus to arise and shine the, but the problem is, is that we do have to play a part in this to actualize the plan. If you want to arise and shine, it's not all passive. Even though it's something that comes upon you, you have to play a role in this. In the same way that if, you're, if you wake up in a dark room and you're stumbling to the bathroom and you go, man, I wish there was light. I mean, probably the technology is almost out there where you can just about, you know, just think light and the lights will come on. I know there's apps and so forth, but you know, indulge me for a second. As an older guy, I still believe that you walk to the wall and you grope along the wall and you find this little thing along the wall called a switch. <laughs> and we feel that little bump on the wall and you go blink and it flips up, light comes on. And there is some sense within the spiritual realm that, this, that when your spiritual house is dark, that you have to put your hand on the switch and cooperate with the Lord by, by flipping that switch, especially in the deepest, darkest hours. And when you turn the power switch to on and everything else is in order, there will be a change in your life from darkness to light. And the change occurred, why? Well, it occurred because the, the light of the Lord had come, but it also changes because you agree, you take action that agrees with what the Lord's doing. When you, set, when you do anything in agreement with what the Lord is doing, that establishes what the Bible calls a dwelling place or a meeting place. A meeting place between, between you and the Lord. All right. Let me wrap up. Kind of. So, am I making any sense to you? Before anything, any object can shine. You know, I've been saying over and over, there has to be some source of reflection of light to that object. In other words, um, 
it, it's reflected light that makes things sparkle and shine, right? You shine a flashlight on, a, on an ornament, and you can see it sparkle and shine. And Jesus describes himself as the light of the world. He declares, without me, you can do nothing in order to shine. Therefore, you've got to, be, you've got to have his light shining on you. And so what this tells me is, is that you have, we have to be connected to Christ. Like, I could give you all kinds of ways in which we would arise and shine. Like, here's the 19 things you need to do, but I'm just going to give you one. It's, oh, it's the imperative. If you do this, you will arise and shine. It's just so simple. It's Sunday school. But so many of you, I'm, I'm talking about not you out there in the Internet world. I'm talking right here in this room. So many of you are not living risen and shining lives because you lack this. You lack encounter and connection with a living God. You might know about Jesus. You've been taught about him. You've sat in church and learned about him over and over and again. But you've not really had encounter with him. You've not really connected with him as a living God. And I see this all the time, that the, 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 the one lacking thing in our lives is true encounter with Jesus. When you are encountered by Jesus, it changes things. It's self-actualizing. You ever, have, you ever, have you ever, like, seen a kid with a, with a puppy? Like when a puppy, a little waggy dog, tail puppy comes into a room and there's just a kid sitting there. Do you have to, say, you have to teach the kid how to love the puppy? And they, the eyes light up, and they just go, oh, puppy. And they, you know, unless they're, like, mortally afraid of dogs. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing with the presence of God. When the presence of God comes into a situation, you don't have to be taught how to. It, it, the encounter changes everything. And in order to shine, you've got to be connected to Christ in a way that the light will cause you to shine. And when you are in his presence, he gives, he, he changes everything. He gives you the power to to rise up from, from, from everything. He's the custodian of all heavenly life and power. And his, his, his life, his voice is the power that made Lazarus rise up after being dead for four days. He made a 12-year-old girl rise up from the dead just by telling her to get up. You're not dead. You're alive. Your, your case isn't as bad as Lazarus's or that 12-year-old girl. Lazarus was wrapped up. He stunk like his grave clothes. The 12-year-old girl's dead. Your situation isn't that bad. And so to connect with him today, to encounter him today, is all you need to receive in order to, have to arise and shine and to live a life that's risen and shining. We were singing earlier about, I love your presence. I was thinking as we were singing that, if I were a little kid in the room on Christmas, the Sunday closest to Christmas, I would say, yeah, I love your presence. <laughs> and there's some sense, I think, in which that's okay. You know, we do love the gifts that God brings us. But what we yearn for most of all is just the simple and real presence of Jesus in our lives, in our rooms. The problem is, the problem is for a lot of us, when you say, you know, I've not really, I've asked, but I have never really been, in, I've never really had this encounter with Jesus. I think the problem is, I don't think you really want him to come. Into your, I'm just telling you honest what I think. I don't think you really want him to come because he makes a lousy house guest. I've preached this over and over and over again. When he comes into your house, man, he starts messing with things. He doesn't ask your opinion. He doesn't, he doesn't keep his opinions to himself. He says, we're changing that, the, the carpet and drapes. 
He says, we're going to go into that locked closet over there, and we're going to, and you go, no, not that closet. That's where I keep the really bad stuff. He's like, I'm going in there. And you, say, you, and you say, well, you can't go in there, Jesus. He says, well, if I can't go in there, you have no part in me. And then you say, if you're, if you're wise, you say, go in every room. And I think the reason that we don't have real encounter with Jesus is because we don't always really want it. Because we know if he comes in, he's going to, I promise you, if Jesus comes into your, if, if you say, Jesus, just pray this prayer, I dare you. Jesus, I give you permission to come into my life today and change anything and everything you want to change. I mean, how many of you are willing to pray that prayer today? I promise you if you pray that prayer today, he will change things in your life. And it's a daunting thing to pray because his goodness is so overwhelming, we can't consent. Sometimes we're just stuck in what we know, right? And, the, and, and there comes a day, though, where the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. And when that happens to you, you will yearn for him, and he will come into your life and in an encounter that will change everything and will radiate you so much light and so much risenness in you that people will go, man, I need what you've got. And you'll, you're probably thinking to yourself right now, Jeff, you're just looking for Jesus and everything. You call everything encounter, and I would say guilty. That's right. I do look for him and everything, and I do think that everything can be encounter, that if we, if we begin to look for the signs of Christ all around us in our lives. I, I mean, I'm tr- I, th- I was trying to think of an analogy. Uh, I think sometimes when we, we're not in tune with our spiritual eyes and ears, we don't see the signs of Christ all around us when, it is, when he is all around us. And we can say, well, I've never really had the experience that somebody else talks about. I'm telling you, if you guys say, Jesus, give me an encounter with the cross. It was, it was that kind of encounter that changed my life, an encounter with, of, of God's grace where I felt tangible love. I, I think somebody like Charles Finney described as liquid love. I felt something like liquid love like something tangible being poured on me where I knew for the first time in my life that I was truly loved by God. And it changed everything for me. But if you're not in tune with that sort of possibility, how many of you ever go to the beach and look for shark's teeth? Anybody here ever do that? Anybody good at it? I stink at it. I've never found a single shark's tooth on the beach. I look for them all the time. When you go to like, how do you ever, however you say it, Micklers or Michaelers, you know, supposedly there's shark's teeth everywhere there. Do you know how many I've found there? Zero. I've looked. And I've looked so much for them without finding them, and I know that I'm not good at it, I could easily come to the conclusion that there are no shark's teeth on that beach. And I think this is exactly what happens for people in the spiritual realm, is you go, well, it may be true for other people that they can arise and shine because they've been encountered by the glory of God, but I've tried and I've asked and I've looked and nothing's come my way, so I've come to the conclusion that there is no light, there is no glory, there is no encounter. It's just fiction. It's just legend. It's just made-up stuff. Jeff just says, says this as a preacher to try to assuage my depression and make me feel good for until Tuesday, maybe. But I'm telling you, it's real. It's real. And if you ask Jesus to come into your house and you just open the door to him, he will turn some things over, but you will like the renovation. All right. This really is the end. 
been thinking a lot about. I've been I've been doing a, I'm doing a podcast. I do it with Stephanie Sandmeyer comes out of our church. Um, Stephanie Quick to the broader world, and we it's called the Better Beautiful. It's about Jesus. It's uh, really focused on young people who have deconstructed their faith and. We're saying that you may be looking for beauty in the world, you may be looking for goodness, but the goodness and beauty you're looking for and counterfeit will never compare to the better beautiful, to Jesus himself. And we are walking right now through what's known as the farewell discourse, John 14 through 17. We cheated and started in in chapter 13, but we're right now considering John 14. And in the beginning of John 14, this is what Jesus says. Flip over to it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is what Jesus says. This is how I connect this to arise and shine. He says, keep in mind, the darkness is so bad that we feel like like we're the dead walking. Paul says that lovers of, of everything evil. Jeff says 2020, that kind of year. This is what Jesus says. He says, this is the same thing as arise and shine command. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, also trust in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus says to 11 guys now, because one who betrayed him has already left, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. (laughs) And he commands this. It's a beautiful, gentle command, but it's a command nonetheless. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. But what's the context in which he says it? He's just told them, that one of them would betray him. They didn't know which one it was. They're, I'm sure they're all going, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? They didn't know. They all, because you know why they didn't know? Because they knew they'd all carried betrayal in their hearts somehow. So they weren't sure who it was. He said, one of you is going to betray me. And, he's, and he then says, one of you is going to deny me. So now they've, they've walked with Jesus, and they've gotten to know him. They're beginning to see how beautiful this man is. He says, one of you is betraying me. It's all getting ready to get broken up. One of you is going to deny me, and I'm leaving. King of kings, Lord of lords, manifesting miracles. The, the dead are raised. The blind see. The sick are healed. He's Messiah. They've come to realize it. One of you's betrayed me. One of you's denied, not going to deny me, and I'm out of here. So don't let your hearts be troubled. What is Jesus saying? What Jesus is saying is, in the midst of a very troubled and dark world, it's not, all gonna, it's not always going to all go away. We don't have to wait for the calendar to flip over and they go, okay, now 2021 is a light year. 2020 was a dark year. It's gone. What Jesus is saying is, in fact, as we approach the end of time and upon his return, it's going to feel darker and darker and darker. Read Matthew 24. I've read it over and over and over again. He says, in the midst of a very troubled world, you can and should have an untroubled heart. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Because this is what Jesus does when he creates a dwelling place, a place of agreement. He always, love always prepares a welcome. He goes ahead to prepare a place for our risen and shining lives. Come on up. Team, sing us out of here. Like I said at the beginning, this passage of scripture is not, it's not 
primarily for us. It's for Jewish people. Even today, we've not yet seen these promises fulfilled. There's a day coming where, where I believe the Jewish people will live into the fullness of this passage and will see kings and nations uh, come into the glory of God. And I believe the Jewish people are, have risen and are shining greater than they have in their history, but I don't think it, I think it pales in comparison. But to the extent that this has applicability to us, it is meant to transform our lives if it's obeyed. It's meant that sinners can become saints and the downcast can be uplifted and the failure can turn to success and weeping can be changed to joy and the poor can be rich and the sick can be healed and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's what it's meant for. And, and in fact, any situation in your life or in anybody's life that is tantamount to darkness, it, it can be reversed like now when the light of God comes into that situation. We sing at Christmas, you know, joy to the world. The Lord has come. We, we are singing exactly about Isaiah 60 that, that the darkness of the world can't, pales in comparison to the light of God that's, that's coming into this situation. Jesus, the light of the world, is the source of solution for every problem. It is just as simple as Sunday school. Anybody who wants to arise and shine, you need to connect to Him. This is the only thing it takes, and the only there is no other solution. There's not a plan B. You can arise and shine by connecting to Jesus, or you can go watch Oprah. Sorry, I mean I'm not trying to. But if you will connect your life to Christ, then your your arising and shining is unstoppable. No force of darkness. No no. No power of hell. Nothing can combat this unstoppable light in Jesus' name. So, Father, we ask that as the light of the world, as the one who is the way and the truth and the life, that you would shine light upon our lives, that you would cast that heavenly glow upon us that your glory your Shekinah glory, your real presence, your manifest tangible glory would encounter us I pray for someone here today Lord in this room or watching that would dare to tilt their head toward heaven and to say Jesus come into the house that is my life and encounter me change me, I give you access to change to rearrange whatever you want. I pray someone would be bold enough to pray that prayer. And I pray, Lord, that in 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, we would hear testimony of how that person's life has been changed and the world has been changed. One person's life given over to you is enough to see the world change. So we say, come, Lord. Let your light shine. In Jesus' name, if you feel led, you can come and pray at the altar if you want or you can kneel at home.